Hello, and welcome to our podcast here at Discovery Point Church. Thank you for joining us today. We pray this message inspires you and is the beginning of a life-changing relationship with Jesus. Enjoy the message. When Gregory said that we've been in this chapter five for a while, we have. You know, it's been a while just to get through this one chapter, but it's, it's been a good Bible study. And I'm speaking from through the New King James Version. Everything I, verse, unless I call out otherwise, will be read from the New King James Version. And it says this, Galatians 5, 24 through 26. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying envying one another. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this time together. And Father, we just pray that you be in this congregation. Minister to us as only you can, Lord. Hide me behind the cross, and may every word that is spoken be from you. We just thank you for all the things that you're doing. But I always like to say, use us, Lord, to bring glory to your name. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Galatians 5.25, you're going to kind of zero in on that, you know, as we finish this up. Pastor Greg touched on 24 and 25 last time. And, and let's remember Pastor Greg, for you that may not know, um, he's probably left Seattle about now and he's on his way to Nepal. And so let's remember him in prayer as he's going there to the ministry that we have and the work that's going on in Nepal. And so lift him up in prayer that God would give him traveling mercies. So Galatians 5.25 says, if or since. And since is the best, better translation. If is conditional, okay? If you do this, that's not what they're saying. Since we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Now, this whole study has been about a big check. I remember that I started it out in the first five, six verses of this weeks ago. And he's talking about, and the reason why I'm touching about this, because I'm going to talk about the Apostle Paul as he's writing this to uh, the region of Galatia. Remember, this is not written to a particular church. It's written to a whole region of churches, okay? Most of them are Gentile churches. There are some Jewish churches there. But Galatia was a region in the Middle East. And so, and we're going to talk about what, what Apostle Paul was doing and why he did certain things, because it's going to throw you for a minute. I don't know if you remember that first five or six verses, the whole message was about whether you've been circumcised or uncircumcised, it's, you know, it doesn't matter. And uh, so we're going to kind of touch on that because we're, even though we're not getting into chapter 6, um, chapter 6 calls that out again. So I'm going to pick up on verse 5 excuse me, verse 6 of chapter 5, it says, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything, but faith working through love. Remember, this whole thing came to a head in Jerusalem 
because they had believers that were Jewish that come to the faith in Jesus Christ. And these things hadn't been dealt with, and God knew they needed to be dealt with. And see, some, some think that, well, it's just Jewish outsiders trying to infiltrate the church. No, these were believing people that believed in Messiah. These were Messianic Jews. And these subjects had never come up because there was not been very many Gentiles in the church. Well, now this whole region has broke out with the gospel message going everywhere. And thousands upon thousands of Gentiles are coming to Jesus Christ. And the argument become, became, well, Paul and Silas and all those guys are not telling them that they need to be circumcised. Making an issue out of that. Saying, well, you can't be a believer unless you are circumcised. And Paul so stood against that. It's not that. Remember he said, if, you, or if you're looking to circumcision as a right, right relationship with God, then you're still living under the law. There is no grace in your life. There isn't nothing that's not transformed you. And you need to be transformed because it's far beyond that. And even though we're not getting into Galatians chapter 6, I'm going to read a verse from there, Galatians 6.15. says this, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. We're new creations in Christ. Sounds pretty familiar, doesn't it? Same words, almost that whole thing is almost word verbatim for Galatians 5.6. Now, it's only has to, some people say, well, that's only in the Bible once. It doesn't matter. Once is enough. But when you find a subject matter in there more than once, two or three times, I think he's trying to tell us something. And so, as this is going on, verse 16 says this, And as many as walk according to this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. Now, I'm going to take a little deviation from what I, and I do this every once in a while. Because I don't want to just let that go by, what he's saying to the, to the churches in Galatia. You follow this, you understand that circumcision doesn't matter. It's not that, it's a right relationship with Jesus Christ that transforms your life. And those that understand that, peace and mercy be upon you and upon the Israel of God. Some would say, oh, no, he's talking about Israel there. No, he's talking about the church and Israel. And so I, I want to talk about that for, for a moment. Next slide, please. It says, for you are the sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. As if they have put their faith in Christ Jesus, they're the sons of God. And so... Galatians 3.29 says this, and if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. Notice what it says. You're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Who is Abraham's seed? We are. All believers. You say, well, I'm not part of Abraham's seed. No, I'm not. I'm not part of Abraham's seed. Well, if you're not part of Abraham's seed, then you don't belong to Christ. If you are Christ, 
then you are Abraham's seed and heir according to the promise. That's a hallelujah moment, church. We've been grafted into all those things that was promised to Abraham, the church. Been grafted in. It's the wild branch that has been grafted into the olive tree. Is what some verses say according to that. But we're a part of it. We belong to him. So that's the little track I wanted to take to come back. So when you talk about Israel of God, that's talking about all believers, all messianic believers. <clears throat> and so, as Paul is writing this, I want to take a, and go to the book of Acts. We're going to go to Acts 16. We're going to stay there for the, probably the majority of the message. Because there's so much here that it talks about walking in the Spirit and being a part of all of that. But how it starts out may throw you for a minute because we've talked so much about circumcision and uncircumcision doesn't, you know, mean any, it doesn't avail anything. So, Acts 16, 1 through 3. It's talking about Timothy's family. Then he came to Derbe and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman. I want you to notice that his mother was Jewish, who believed, but his father was Greek. He was well spoken of, verse 2, by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium, and verse 3 Paul wanted to have him go on with him. That means on his next journey, he wanted to take Timothy with him. And he took him and circumcised him. What is going on? We've heard so much about circumcision doesn't matter. It, does ma it doesn't matter whether you're circumcised or uncircumcised. And here you have a verse that's saying Paul is circumcising Timothy. So I want to talk about that. You think it's, wow, that almost seems like a contradiction, doesn't it? But it's not. Because remember, they were teaching some of those Messianic believers had taken the gospel, injected all that back into it, saying unless that you were circumcised and you're not following the law, you can't be a follower of Christ. Well, that's just wrong. Paul very well knew that. He was having so many Gentiles come to that. He didn't even try to get them to follow the law. He just preached Christ and him crucified. And their lives were transformed. The reason why all of this is here is because, and it's calling out Timothy's mother, that she was Jewish and the father was Greek. And not only was the mother Jewish, she was a Messianic Jew. <clears throat> and her husband was a, a Greek or Gentile, and the same thing. He wasn't circumcised, and he didn't have Timothy circumcised. And it wasn't that Paul was saying you have to be circumcised to have salvation. That's not even the subject matter here. That's where we can get ourselves messed up. That's why I wanted to talk about this. That we... Whether you're circumcised or uncircumcised doesn't matter. 
But the reason why that he was asking Timothy to be circumcised, and it's not written here, but it's implied. He went to Timothy and said to him, basically, Timothy, I'm going on my next missionary journey, Paul and Silas, we're going, and I want to take you with me. And the reason why that I want you to become circumcised, it's not that you don't have salvation, you do. I want you to become circumcised because you're, you're born through a Jewess. See, if, if the, how it follows, if the mother is a Jew and the father is a Gentile, those children are born Jews. The follow through the line of the mother. If it's flipped and the father is Jewish and the mother is Gentile, those children are not Jewish. And they have to have a whole rigmarole of now coming into the Jewish church and, and becoming a part of it. And that's why it takes the point to say that. Because Paul is having great success in the synagogues around that area. And he's taken the gospel message. <clears throat> well, he says this in the book of Romans, Romans 1.16. It says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation for the Jew first and then the Gentile. And if you notice on all his journeys, wherever Paul went, he always took the gospel message to the Jewish synagogue first. And then he went into the community, rendered the Gentiles be able to proclaim that. And he knew if he took Timothy with him, and they knew who Timothy was, they knew his mother was, he's really Jewish, but he's never been circumcised. They're going to make an issue of that and not listen. That's going to become a blockage for having them hear the message about Messiah. And so, now this is a young man. This ain't some little baby. Is he, huh? Nothing puts a quiver down your back, huh? And Timothy must have said yes, because what Luke is saying in the book of Acts, Luke wrote the Acts, and he's a Gentile. He wrote the book. And I'll reread it again. Paul warned to have him, wanted to have him go with him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region, for they all knew that his father was Greek. He's asking him to do this step and take this step and become circumcised, that they will listen to the message that you're proclaiming about Jesus. That changes everything. doesn't make it easier, but it does change everything. 1 Corinthians 9.19 says, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. In other words, did Timothy have to do this? No. He could have said no. But Paul's telling him, if you're willing to do this, God's going to use you as a tool amongst the Jewish people that they will understand who, that he's Messiah and come to him because you are now would be considered Jewish. Big hurdle, but he did it. So Luke just calls out the act itself, that he's going to circumcise. So that means he said yes to this. 
Verse 20, the first line of verse 20, and that's the only thing I'm quoting of that verse. And to the Jew, I became as a Jew that I might win Jews. There's, there's the argument. Sometimes it's, we have that same argument. I don't want to do that. I'm a Christian. I don't need to do that. I don't need to take the time with those people. If God's put it in their hearts that he wants you to speak to them, you better listen. You best listen. And in this case, Timothy's doing a preparation to be, be able to have them hear him and listen to him. So, it's the idea, I have become all things to all men that I might by all means save some. To the poor I became as poor. Huh? And we have to do that from time to time. It's not always easy to do that. I know there was a young man that God put in my life here at this church, and he's already went home to be with the Lord. He's in his mid-40s when he passed away. Some of you were here probably at the time. Patrick Gillespie, if I say that name. How many is here? Anybody here remember him? Huh? I know there's a few. A young man. About drank himself to death. Alcohol problem. His wife, Jennifer, was coming here, and she took her children to see him. They, they the doctors said, get the family um, and get him prepared because he's not going to survive. And so Jennifer came to church that Sunday with the kids, and she's getting ready. She says, Pastor Ron, this is my last Sunday here. I've already been to the hospital so my kids can see their father, and I'm taking the kids to Tennessee to live with my mother because he's dying. He's all but dead. Doctor said there's nothing more they can do. He needs to get his house in order. So I went down in, to see Patrick. Big age gap between where he was at and where I'm at. So not a lot of things in common. And I remember I walked into that room and I said these words. I said, Patrick, you don't know who I am, but your wife Jennifer was at church, and she asked if I'd come see you. And he looked me square in the eye, and I felt so bad. He looked so young laying there with all those tubes coming out of him. He was in kidney failure, and liver wasn't working, and on and on and on. And he said, well, you can see me. you've seen me, now you can go. That's why I said, you know, I've come, you know, you don't know me, but your wife asked to, if I come see you, and you look at me square in the eye. You've seen me, and now you can go. So I thought, I don't know, I'm not going to come over this. Oh, I'm leaving, and as I'm leaving, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, you're coming back tomorrow. So I did. So I started talking Christ with him, sharing the, the gospel message of, about accepting Christ. And he said, I have no life. What do you mean accept Christ and give my life to him? Didn't they tell you I'm dying? I've only got days left. And he's just so angry. So I said, let me rephrase this then. Whatever time you have left, 
Are you willing to surrender that time to Jesus Christ? And he broke down and cried like a baby, accepted Christ in the hospital there. And the next day, his kidneys started working. He wasn't in liver failure anymore. The doctors are scratching their heads like, you know, what's going on? And he lived another 12 years past that. His life was gloriously changed for Jesus Christ. He still had issues. He still had problems. But we need to learn to listen to that voice when he speaks to us and tells us to go do something. Just don't shine it off. I could have just blown it off and said, I don't know who that is. But he's, no, I felt like the Lord wanted me to go talk to him. And sometimes it's not always easy. Sometimes you're going to get thrown out of the room. But if you're doing what God told you to do, he tells you to come back tomorrow, you got to need to listen. Because it changes everything. But he wants the same thing from you and I in the community that we live in. We need to become all things to all people that we might be able to share the gospel with them and lead some to Jesus Christ. There's nothing more important in life than that. And if you're here and never answered that question, that's, a quest, that's the most important question of your life, whether you realize it or not, is that question. What have you done with Jesus Christ? Going back to Acts 16, we're going to go to verse 4. It says, and as they went through the cities, remember, Paul's now taken Timothy. He's been circumcised. They're now going throughout that region. And he says, and as they went through the cities, they delivered to them the decrees to keep which were determined by the apostles and the elders at Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in numbers daily. There was... Changed lives had broken out involved in that because of their being faithful. And it says in verse 6, Now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were for, notice what it says. They were going to go to a whole other area and take the gospel there. That's pretty valid. It seems like it is, huh? And the Holy Spirit forbade them. Forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. He told them, no, you can't go. He doesn't always tell us yes, you know. There's times he tells us no. And he has his reasons. So they were told they can't go. And Paul didn't argue. He was like, he could have. But Lord, I've been through that reach and I already gave, uh, uh, been through that whole area and shared the gospel. And I want to go back and check on the churches. I want to make sure everything is going okay. And Paul learned a lesson that day as long as every one of us, do you realize we, when we talk like that, this church this belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. This is his church, his church alone. And if he tells you not to do something, I would suggest it's probably pretty smart not to do it, right? And so, they were forbidden to go to Asia, my Asia, and that whole thing that they wanted to go to. And so, why was that? Why did that happen? 
verse 9 says this, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. So instead of going into Asia Minor, they're going into Macedonia, which is north of Greece and in that area in there, and that's where the Lord's telling him to go. He didn't argue. He just, he just went and he did it. Verse 10 says, Now after he had seen the vision, immediately... We sought to go to Macedonia. I don't know if I'd be like that. Lord, are you sure? Huh? Where do you want me to go? It's so comfortable here at the church. It's so comfortable to be right here. And so immediately he said, no, we're going. Concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now I want you to notice they had a vision of a man, right? They go into the area. And it's not that it's wrong. It's just, it's, it's just a kind of amazing how God operates and how he uses things sometimes. First thing coming off the boat, be able to share. He didn't talk to a woman. He talked to Lydia. I mean, he didn't talk to a man. He talked to a woman. He had a vision of a man saying, come, we need help. But he began to help this woman. She was a maker of purple. Purple was a very high-end garment back in that day. A wealthy lady. And was asked, he said, you know, I, I've accepted Christ. And in verse 13 says she's, she wanted to be baptized. And then she says, as you get done here, come back to my house. i got a place to keep, for you to stay. And so, in verse 16, Acts 16, 11, excuse me, 16 through 16 through 24, it says, now it happened as he went to prayer, that's three, three o'clock in the afternoon was afternoon prayer. that there was a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination who met us, who brought her masters much profit for fortune-telling. In other words, she had a spirit of divination. She was demon-possessed. She told fortunes. Most likely in that time period, there was the, 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 the temple of Apollo, Adelphi. And... They had a goddess that they looked to there. And this goddess was a goddess of divination. So most likely this lady was a follower of that cause. And I want you to notice, she's, she's following them, and she's calling out to them and saying, this girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, these men are the servants of the Most High God, who proclaimed to us the way of salvation. And she's saying this over and over. Verse 18 says, And this she did for many days. Now, instead of just being... We can't pick on Paul too much because we're, we're the people the same way. He saw and most likely he understood. She's saying that these are the servants of the Most High God, but it's a demonic spirit saying it. 
And he understood that, and she was doing it, following him, and saying this over and over again. And it said, in verse 18, And she did this for many days, but Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. Well, maybe he should have done that day one, right? Huh? You think? And he got so annoyed to the fact of what's going on around him that she was annoying to him, but then he called on the name of the Lord and commanded that demon to come out, and that demon did come out. She's now set free from all that, but no longer she can be a fortune teller, so now her master, if you would, that was using her to make a lot of money doing that, now went to the authorities and said, they did something to her, and now she's worthless to me. And Paul and Silas end up in jail. Now, wherever Timothy's at, we don't know. He's not there with him on this part of it. So was he somewhere else? We don't know. But we know he went with them because it starts off like that. So did he stay along the way somewhere? Possibly. We don't know. So the authorities come. They arrest him. Can you imagine being arrested for setting somebody free from a demonic spirit? He got arrested. They stripped Paul and Silas naked and beat him half to death within inches of his life. And when they whipped him, they whipped him. And then they put him in stocks. What do you think most of us would be doing if our day went like that? Huh? Why are you putting me through this, Lord? What did I do to deserve this? See, sometimes when you're following the work of the Lord and you're doing what he wants, it don't always come out the way you think. But you still got to be faithful because God's in control and he's called us to this. He has called us to do these things. What's it say? I love this next verse when it talks about, about him. Verse 25, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Remember, they've been beaten, locked up, put in stocks, and you use the term at midnight, you could probably say it's the most part, you know, with the darkest before the dawn idea, huh? At midnight, what were they doing in this very dark place? They were worshiping and praising God. There's power in prayer, church. There's power in worship. There's power in these things. And as they're worshiping, they're listening. The prisoners are hearing all this. It moved God. God moved in a way that he sent an earthquake to that prison that shook that very place and all the locks and all their stocks just opened up and the prison doors were open. And the jailers come running and realize it's all unlocked. Oh, they've all ran away. And this jailer's got a sword and is getting ready to fall on it to kill himself because he knew what's going to happen to him if he let all these prisoners got away. And Paul hollered out and said to him, no, don't do this. Don't do this thing. We're still here. None of us have left. That's amazing in itself, isn't it? I suggest to you that maybe the man in the vision is this jailer. 
this jailer that God sent him to. And so, verse 28 says, But Paul called with a loud voice, saying to him, Do yourself no harm, we are all here. Verse 30, And he brought them out and said, Notice what he says. He hasn't heard, he hasn't, they haven't talked to him. They haven't said a word to him. They've heard him singing and worshiping and praising God. And what comes out of the jailer's mouth? Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So when you put God first in your life, some people might say, oh, you know, yeah, you guys get worked up. You get, you, you know, you know, you get a little, you know, you should see a church was when I first saw a problem. We had, we had a lady in the church and her name was Sister Vanover. And Betty reminds me a lot of Sister Vanover. Size-wise, Sister Vanover was a little younger, I think. But the Lord would hit that lady sometime in singing, and she'd literally start running the aisle ways, praising God. Huh? She'd probably think, what happened there? She'd literally run the aisle ways, shouting. And we were, we were on a stage where we were up here like this. We were higher. She'd come up there one time and just say, praise God, Pastor Ron. And she just jumps past all the stairs and hit the ground running, huh? Worshiping and praising God. Oh, for a move of God, like what they had there, huh? And so, they're worshiping and they're praising the Lord. Acts verse 31 says, So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved you and your household. I want you to notice who's what. There's some of you that have been praying for loved ones for so long, you, you sometimes you feel like giving up. Don't ever give up. Keep praying for your household. God said he's going to save you and your household. Don't ever give up. Keep pre-praying. I remember a pastor that was working with me when I was very young, before I was ordained, and um, or went to Bible school. Pastor Reddick, and he had a son named Jimmy. And every time we meet and study the word and, and doing those things, we always prayed for his son, Jimmy. Pastor Reddick never lived to see Jimmy come to the Lord. But at his dad's funeral, Jimmy dropped on his knees at the casket, gave his heart and life to Jesus Christ. And a lot of people were just saying, oh, he just did that because his dad's dead. He's emotional. But not only did he accept Jesus Christ, he went to Bible school. He became an ordained minister. And he said, I'm going to pick up where my father left off and spent his life preaching the gospel. Whew. Don't give up. You and your household, hold on to those things. Keep praying. Keep looking up. Verse 32. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. So now they're sharing the message with them. Verse 33 says this. And he took them the same hour of the night. Come on, this is the middle of the night. Washed their stripes. You know, that's, that's the very man that had them beat up like this and had their backs split open has now accepted Christ as the Savior and they're trying to help Paul and Silas with their wounds. He must have took them home because he says, and immediately he and all his family were baptized. That's good stuff. 
Verse 34 says this. Now when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them, and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. You can't put a price on that. What prices there for a whole family's life was changed because of the faithfulness of Paul and Silas. I'm going to close. I would like to loop it back around so we started off. Since we live in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit. And we're talking about the Holy Spirit and listening to what He says and what He's doing. And we need to yield ourselves to that voice. Learn to know that voice. And I'm going to close using a verse I took out of the seven churches in the book of Revelation when it talks about the seven churches. This was in every one of the chapters. It ended like this in in those books. And I took it and adapted it for us. And it says this, Let he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to Discovery Point Church today. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. We pray you allow this message to transform you to take what you learned and share the love of Jesus to those around you. You can stay informed and connected by following Discovery Point Church on all social media platforms. Thank you and God bless you.